You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. What we can glean from this, if you are a young believer, you have every possible assurance of His presence and His grace throughout your life. I'm with you, God says. In Genesis 31.3, He says, I will be with you. God expects the growing believer to trust in Him and trust that He's always there. Even when we don't have the promise, even when we don't see the promise, we're to trust in Him. Even if things look horrible, we're to trust in Him. I will be with you, he says. I am with you, and I will be with you. Our God is with us. What a reassuring thought. Yet so often we stumble through life like a lone warrior facing the world on our own. As Pastor Dave reminds us in today's message, God never leaves us alone. We have no reason for fear, knowing that he is always with us and fighting the battles for us. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 16 with part one of his message. Chapter 16, Ephraim and Manasseh. So as we enter this section of the book of Joshua, what we found out is it can be kind of boring and it can be kind of arduous with all these long names that are hard to pronounce. But the land is being divided. The time has come. Remember, the land is at rest, supposedly. And it's now up to the individual tribes to go into their respective land and clear it out. It's up to them to go into their respective lands and clear it out and make it ready for their habitation. They're to go in and possess it. The Lord has given them the land. The Lord told them to go and possess the land. We've been studying the book of Joshua as the victorious Christian. We've been given so many blessings through Jesus Christ by believing in him. They're ours to possess and we must possess every one of them. We must claim them by faith. And we are liken ourselves to the children of Israel as they come into this now, this land that was promised to them many, many years before, over 400 years before. In chapter 15 that we studied last week, we saw that the allotment for the tribe of Judah and how influential Caleb was as their leader. We talked about that, and we likened what Caleb was and how he felt, and we tried to put ourselves in his spot. Caleb was 85 years old and still wanted the toughest spot of the land. Didn't shirk away or shy away from the the hard things. At 85 years old, he still wanted to be a conqueror. He still wanted to be challenged. And I remember saying, there's no retirement in serving the Lord. There's no retirement in trusting and hoping and trusting in our Lord. We don't get to a point in our life where we go, "Ah, I'm just going to sit back and eat bonbons and not trust in God anymore. Well, that never happens. We always trust in God. We always look to move forward in him. So now today in chapter 16 and 17, we see now that the allotment come to Joseph's children. Joseph's children, Manasseh and Ephraim. We talked briefly about them a while back, but I felt it necessary 
to go back and revisit these two boys and how they became part of the tribes of Israel. Because they just didn't appear, they have a purpose. And there was a reason why they became parts of the tribe, as mentioned in the 12 tribes. So let's take a trip back, go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And the first chapter I want you to stop at as you make your way through the book of Genesis is chapter 45. Chapter 45. And as you're turning to chapter 45, I'll remind you that Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. Jacob was one of Isaac and Rebekah's twins. He was the heel catcher, the supplanter. He was one that grabbed a hold of Esau's heel as they came out of the womb. But he's also the one that tricked Esau out of his birthright and tricked him out of the blessing. They made up, however, and Jacob becomes the one that God chose. Because remember, we studied in Romans. We studied that very, very difficult verse for a lot of us. Jacob I loved. Esau I hated. It's a scary verse when you read it, but we explained it in a way that made it reasonable. But Joseph is one of 12 sons given to Jacob. And Joseph was his favorite. One of the reasons Joseph was his favorite was that he was born, Joseph was born, to Joseph's beloved Rachel. The one that he eyeballed, the one that he saw, the one that he really wanted to go after, but Uncle Laban had a few tricks up his sleeve, and the one that he worked 14 years for in order to obtain as his wife. Remember, first, when he thought he was getting Rachel as wife, it was Leah, her sister, the older. And then he had to work more years to obtain Rachel, his beloved. And of course, with them came their handmaids, Bila and Zilpah. And Jacob took them as concubines. And from them, all these children came, the 12 of them. But Joseph was special to Jacob. Joseph, it says, Jacob loved with such a heart. You know the story of Joseph. We won't go into it. But when Joseph comes out of prison, when Joseph comes out of prison, he goes to Pharaoh and he makes this prophecy about the famine. He says there's going to be seven years of fat and then there's going to be seven years of lean. And what you need to do, Pharaoh, is you need to appoint somebody who's going to take care of the fat years and store all the stuff so that during the lean years, all the stuff can be given out. And Pharaoh said, well, you're the man. And he basically places Joseph, again, second in command. And while he's doing that, Joseph is given a present. The present he's given is the wife. And here we see in Genesis 41... Verse 45, Pharaoh changes Joseph's name to zathnath Paneah, and he gave him as a wife Asadath, the daughter of Padipera, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So Joseph now receives this woman as his wife. And up in verse 50 of chapter 41, you read, And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipera, priest of On, 
bore him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget my toil and all my father's house. Now remember, in those days, when you named a child, it meant something. There were meanings of everything. In fact, if you go back and you look at all of the 12 tribes of Israel, when they were born, they had a name because of what was happening during that time. And we go all the way back to Isaac. His name was Laughter because Sarah laughed when the Lord told her she was going to have a child in her old age. But the firstborn was Manasseh. Now remember that. He was the firstborn. The name of the second will be called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So Joseph has these two sons. These two sons grow old. You know the story. Jacob and the brothers come down to Egypt through a series of events. They reconnect with Joseph. It's a grand, wonderful story all the way through the rest of the book of Genesis. But in 48, in chapter 48, Jacob now is dying. And he wants to bless his sons. He wants to bless his sons. And we read in 48... We read verses 1 through 4. Now came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he, Joseph, took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and will make you a multitude of people, and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Here Jacob is rephrasing or reminiscing the fact that God gave him a promise. God gave him a specific promise. And he remembered this promise because Abraham was careful to pass down these exact words to Joseph. You can imagine sitting around the campfire... One night, as Abraham told the story, now Abraham was Jacob's granddad. You know how granddads like to tell stories. We love to tell stories to our grandkids. So Abraham sat around and he told Jacob about how God had told him and gave him a covenant, gave him a promise, and that he and his grandsons would be eventual heirs of this covenant. They would inherit this covenant. And they use the exact words. See, the exact words of God are important. What does this mean for us? What do I glean from this? I don't know what you're gleaning, but what I'm gleaning is we need to pass down God's word to our kids. We need to pass down God's word to a younger generation. We need to pass that down. Yes, they have to glean for themselves salvation. Yes, they do. They have to call upon the name of the Lord just like we did. But What did we study in Romans? How will they know unless they are told? We need to pass down God's word to our younger generation so they will know this God. They will know Jesus Christ, know who he is. And so that's our charge as elders. That's our charge as who we are, those of us who have children, those of us who might have children in the future. It's our charge. We need to pass the word of God down. It needs to be exact. But they must grab for themselves, just as Jacob did, just as Jacob did, way back in verse 28, 15, when he was at Bethel, when God appeared to him in in the story of Jacob's ladder. 
And God appeared to him and basically told him the promise that his descendants would inherit this land. So we're in the land of Luz, which is another name for Bethel. It'll come up again when we read Joshua. It's where Jacob first met God. And I think sometimes, and we see this with Abraham too, they return to where they met the Lord. And sometimes when we're struggling, sometimes when we're struggling in our lives, we need to return to that mindset where we met the Lord. And we need to get back to what he told us and how he promised us. And those of us who accepted Christ as our Savior, sometimes we need to return to the cross. We need to return to the foot of the cross. And then we need to repent of our sin that maybe has overwhelmed us or overcome us. And we need to get back to the basics of God. I call it Christianity 101. We need to get back to the basics of what made us what we are. So we see this happening. Luz was another name for Bethel. It's where Jacob vividly remembered an outstanding encounter with the Lord. And you can read all about that in chapter 28. Let's look at 5 and 6. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Now notice what I like about this. What I love about God's word is you can glean so much from it. When Joseph talked about your sons, Joseph said Manasseh and Ephraim. Because Manasseh was the older. And you know, in, in, in those days, the eldest had a position. But Jacob says, your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So there's already a setup here. There's already a setup happening here. And you can almost see what's going to happen. But Jacob receives the two sons of Joseph, and he basically adopts them. Look at five. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And here now they become part of this 12 tribes. They become part of this family, so to speak. That's why when you read the 12 tribes, Joseph's name is never mentioned. You see Ephraim and Manasseh as the 12 tribes. Your offspring whom you begat after them shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers and in their inheritance. Now, perhaps, perhaps, they were replacements for Reuben and Simeon. We don't know. Because if you read, especially Genesis 34 and 35, Reuben and Simeon did some dastardly deeds. They were not as pure-hearted. They they did some pretty evil things, and they led the family into sin. And maybe he was replacing them because of that, I don't know. So we have that. Now your two sons. He says, but as for me, when I came to Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way. And there was but a little distance to go to Ephrah. And I buried her there on the way to Ephra, that is Bethlehem. Then Israel saw Joseph's son and said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. He said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near to him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God also has shown me your offspring. So Joseph brought them from beside his knee and from beside his knees and he bowed down to his face to the earth. 
And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near. Now, what's going on here? Joseph is placing them in the proper order. Because Manasseh is supposed to receive the biggest blessing. Because he's the eldest. So he's ready to give the blessing. He's wanting his dad to put the blessing on them. The right hand is important. The right hand in the Bible Bible always means what? Strength. Always means strength. And it's also a favorite position. The right hand is the hand of strength and skill. No offense to the lefties out there. But the right hand is also associated with God's strength in Exodus 15.6. It's associated with God's favor in Psalm 16.11. And associated with God's help in Psalm 20 verse 6. This is why Jesus is described as sitting at the right hand of God the Father in Mark 14.62. Through Jesus we find favor with God. Through Jesus is our strength with God. And he is definitely our help in times of need. So he fulfills all these things you see. But guiding his hands knowingly, Israel knew exactly what he intended to do. And you're going to see in a minute that he deliberately chose the secondborn to receive a greater blessing than the firstborn. When I read this at the first time, I said, is this God's sense of humor? Because I'm thinking of what Jacob did to Esau. Jacob did basically the same thing to Esau. Is Jacob now getting back at his son? No. We studied in Romans, this is God's sovereign choice. This is God who's making the choice. This is God who's making the choice, and he's using Jacob to do it. Let's look at 15 and 16. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me as all the days of my life long to this day, the angel has redeemed me from all evil, blessed the lads, let my name be named among them, In the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He blessed Joseph. Israel gave the same blessing to both sons. But the son of the right hand received a greater portion of the blessing. And this fulfilled Israel's history. Both tribes were blessed, but Ephraim became the greater tribe. Ephraim becomes the greater tribe, as we'll see. Even to the point where the Ephraim was used to refer to the whole northern section of Israel. They called it Ephraim when the tribes split. They called the northern section was supposed to be Israel, but they called it Ephraim, and you have Judah. I love this verse. God has fed me all my lifelong day. God has fed him. Jacob's testimony was a testimony of God's grace, not of personal merit. Look what I did, and God blessed me. No, God has fed me all the long day until this day right now. He was not saying how faithful he was to God. He was telling you how faithful God was to him. God is ever faithful. And the phrase God who has fed me is literally the God who has shepherded me. If you look at the Hebrew language, it is the God who shepherded me. And here you have the very first mention of the word shepherd in the Bible. The God who shepherded me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Here we have the Lord being his shepherd, guiding him. Let's look at 17 through 20. Now when Joseph saw that his father had laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. 
And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is of the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be the greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will bless, saying, My God, make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. This one's your firstborn. Put your right hand on him, as Joseph's son stood before him. But Joseph positioned them intentionally so that the older would receive the blessing. Not according to the custom, but according to his custom, what God was leading him. Yet Jacob deliberately crossed their hands. This one is your firstborn. Truly, the younger brother shall serve me. Sounds familiar. Because right before Jacob and Esau was born, it was told that the younger shall serve, I mean, that the older shall serve the younger. In Jeremiah 39, verse 9, it's declared. It's declared here. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn, it says in 31.9. It shows the idea of the Bible often is a position of preeminence. Not necessarily meaning first out of the womb. David had a position of firstborn, and he certainly wasn't the first one born. He was one of many. You can look that up in 1 Samuel 16.11. Let's finish out this chapter, then we'll move on. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. And this basically completes the wonderful work regarding, regarding Jacob's recognition of what God has done in his life. And I love this birth verse because it speaks of several things. In Genesis 28, 15, it says, I am with you. God told Jacob, I am with you. And what we can glean from this, if you are a young believer, you have every possible assurance of his presence and his grace throughout your life. I'm with you, God says. In Genesis 31.3, he says, I will be with you. God expects the growing believer to trust in him and trust that he's always there, even when we don't have the promise, even when we don't see the promise. We're to trust in him. Even if things look horrible, we're to trust in him. I will be with you, he says. I am with you, and I will be with you. And then in 31.5, Jacob says, God has been with me. God gives a glorious testimony for those of us who are supposed to be mature believers. We're able to say that God has been with us. Look back on your life. Look back on your life right now today. You can see the hand of God all through your lives. You can see where God showed up miraculously and did mighty things in your lives today. And that's what makes us victorious, Christian. That's what makes us victorious because we look back and we say, God has always been with us. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study of the book of Joshua here on Cape Watch Radio. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about Cape Watch Radio by visiting our website, capewatchradio.com. There you'll find an array of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. 
In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound, biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have small children, please feel free to give us a call to find out which service will fit your family best. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book right here on Cape Watch Radio.